0: The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Thank you, Ms. Smith. It it is a joy. It's uh, always a little sad that we have to just come in and then, then we're out, are we? preaching in Sacramento tonight, but but we appreciate you, we love you, we thank God for you, we thank God to, to be a part of your church and your missions program, and uh, we will do our best to uh, somehow represent you on on the mission field. I'd like to ask you to turn to, first of all, to the book of Romans, I'm not actually going to preach this passage, but I do want to remind you of our responsibility before God as Christians and your responsibility as a church and in Romans chapter 10 we have the questions that are asked that require of us an answer Romans ten fourteen: how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? I want you to think about that. We're going to uh, talk about this morning that responsibility, how shall they preach except they be sent? that obviously has two responsibilities, sending and preaching. There is a sense in that we are all missionaries, as your pastor said. Jesus said, we are the light of the world. That means that no one is to hide their uh, testimony, but to let their light and their testimony shine before the men of this earth. And so we are all missionaries to others. But there's some that are going to be sent to the uttermost parts of the earth. We are all responsible to give. My wife and I, because we're missionaries, that doesn't exempt us from giving, and we uh, also give a portion of the way the Lord has blessed us back to missions. And we thank God that uh, the churches in Mexico are now sending missionaries all over the world. Also, as they are responsible to to do. And uh, but and I'm only going to have looks like a very few minutes here, but I want I don't want to uh, miss out on giving you a report, and so I want you to watch this video presentation that will not only be a report and allow you to see the work in Mexico, but it has a message for you all also, and then we'll apply that uh, to finish up this morning. You're going to have a baptism, so about what time do we need to actually finish here, brother? Okay. Okay, let's see the video presentation then at this time, please. You have a message. It's some very important instructions. No, it really can't wait. Actually, it's from someone more important. Well, no, it's from someone more important than that.
1: Yes, it's that important.
0: What does God see in these people that is so precious that He would give the life and blood of His Son for them? True, they will perish if we do not send the Gospel to them. Was it worth it to give so many years of our lives to see them saved? Yes, completely. There is nothing more wonderful that you will ever do than be a part of carrying out the Great Commission. It's the same everywhere. Sin has separated people from God. Most seek Him through religion, but they do it in vain. Some seek power through violence and war, but it leaves them empty. Some suffer poverty, but they'll suffer so much more in eternity. They may have comforts, but do they know that the wages of sin is death? God calls some people, like us, Dan and Debbie Morris, to go, in our case, to the people of the most remote state in Mexico. Others faithfully send preachers by giving support. The work is about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. How shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Jesus commanded us to take the gospel to every creature, to every home and individual. It took many people and many years of knocking doors, witnessing in parks and streets, but now every home in our city of a million people, to sleep with others, has received the gospel. Those who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior must be taught that they also are the light of the world. They too must be trained to witness to the people of this world and multiply the work of evangelism. Converts are baptized to show the sincerity of their faith and their obedience to their new master. It is a joyful moment in their lives. And although some of the streams are very slippery, most of them come back up. (laughs) Starting churches is the plan, Jesus chose to carry out his command. Home Bible studies or missions are normally the first step. One of the most trying jobs is to build buildings for both new and growing churches. It requires much planning and hard work. Above all, it is a test of faith for all who give sacrificially, both at home and abroad. When children are saved and brought up in a new environment of love, truth, and the power of God, they become the greatest potential for long-term success in our mission. Young people must be rescued from a world of sin and deceit and led to serve the Lord. Youth camps provide a special combination of joyful fellowship and closeness to God. Many preachers and workers, including myself, have been called of God in youth camps. To complete the Great Commission, converts must be taught systematically to obey all things that he has commanded us in order to be a true disciple. And those who God calls to preach must be trained in order to multiply and continue the so that long after we are gone, others will labor in the task of going into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus never said it would be easy. Roads are dangerous, as I found out. Uh, daughters with flagpoles are sometimes dangerous, also. <laughs> Although we did not leave the work during a volcano, it certainly changed a lot of our plans. Entire buildings have been lost to corrupt deceivers, including some who we thought were friends. And half of the churches that originally accepted the responsibility for our support later cut it off. Mortal diseases and guerrilla war have brought us face to face with the possibility of death. But one enemy continually follows me and hinders me. Please pray that God will give me victory over him. Here's what he looks like. But by God's grace, whether through joyful victories or difficult trials, the gospel is still being preached. Faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. God promises that if we are not weary in well-doing, in due season we shall reap if we faint not. How many times have I led a small group of believers to an empty lot to pray for great things from God and put our trust in His power alone? And how many times have we dedicated a church building that seemed so small and insignificant? But how many times have we seen that you really can expect great things from God, that if we are not weary in well-doing, continue to obey Jesus' command and work diligently and faithfully in his work of missions, somewhere in the world there will be a harvest, the greatest reward for our labor. Yes, there has been a lot of hard-earned money given in sacrifice for this work, and yes, there have been many heartaches and tears shed through the trials and difficulties, but it's all so worth it when we see the faces of people who have been saved from condemnation transformed by the truth and power of God, and become churches of Jesus Christ to give light to the nations in darkness. Twenty-three churches and missions have been started in this ministry alone. Many preachers and hundreds of soul winners have been trained to reach out to their own people and to all nations to turn them from darkness to light. What a wonderful privilege it is to be a part of God's work of missions. How thrilling it is to see multitudes turn to God from idols to serve the true and living God. If you are a part of God's work of missions by going and giving to carry out the Great Commission, here is fruit that abounds to your account. If missions has not been a part of your life, why not decide today to obey God's command. Join the team of the faithful and experience a work that will bring honor to God and fullness to your heart. Now get ready, this is going to hurt. We couldn't keep her from falling on her face, but we can keep her from falling into hell. Is she worth saving? You have a message from God. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The only way to have the blessing of seeing people's lives transformed, their souls saved, and churches started, is, is through this that the Lord asks us, how shall they preach except they be sent? And there may be some from this congregation this morning that will be called. And if God does call you, in the many different ways that He that He does that, but you know in your heart, without any doubt that God has called you, something that you can never get away from, then you'll probably feel an inadequacy, and that's actually healthy, because you need to depend on God. But but thank God. There's a lot of. Uh, focus on the sacrifice, on the problems, the tribulations of going to another country, of facing dangers, facing diseases, and things like that. But the truth is, that's where you will most see, before your eyes, the hand of God, the protection of God, the provision of God, and the blessings. And there's nothing like the joy and adventure of this lifetime of being able to serve God in in missions. But there also is... A teaching and a plan of God to use us to send, and that means to give, and we are required to to give and we We know that the Bible uh, says that it 's more blessed to give than to receive, but we don 't always feel that when the offering plate comes by, or when there is a special project that to give to and to sacrifice for. There's always some kind of a human resistance to this grace of giving. Uh, we know that the Lord has promised that if, if we give, it will be given to us. Give, and it shall be given unto you. And so if we think on that term in God's ways, then we think there's really nothing better to do than to give. Give. Oh, that is uh, the way of having provision. But when we actually come down to making a commitment, besides giving our tithes to give offerings for missions, uh, it, there's a resistance, a natural resistance. The grace of giving is strange to us in that natural way. And actually, that should be understood, I mean, that, that, that shouldn't surprise us, because God has told us that his ways are not our ways, that as high as the heavens are above the earth are his ways over our ways, so when we see how God teaches us to give, it, it's not strange that, or not odd that it will seem uh, strange to us. Because his ways are different. I, I want to illustrate this with you just a minute. Would, would you go with me in your imagination for a second? Let's just imagine that we're going back in time several hundred years, and so we're going up to heaven, and we're uh, witnessing a conversation. And this is, don't take, make this more of it than an illustration, but this will help us to see what I'm talking about. We're uh, in there in in heaven. We're seeing some angels come before God and say, God, there's a widow, a widow who has a great need, a widow who has just a little more food, and and then she and her son are going to die of starvation. And then God responds to the angels, Well, don't worry about her. Elijah's going to take care of her today. And they say, But God. Elijah doesn't have anything to give her. Elijah was next on the list. Elijah is without any food. Elijah doesn't have anything. And then God might answer them and say, well, don't worry about Elijah. There's a woman who's going to supply his need for food today. And they said, well, but what about the widow? And maybe God would just say, well, now just watch. And so then we would have the story of Elijah coming to the widow and asking her to bring him something to eat. And then she tells him that there's just a little bit of meal in the barrel and just a tiny bit of oil in the cruise, enough to make a little bread and then to, uh, for her and her son to eat that and then to wait death by starvation because there's nothing else. That's all. There's a famine in the land. There is no more food. And then after she explains that, Dilemma uh, Elijah says Don't fear Just bring Do as you uh, say and But bring me some first And can you imagine The angels all of a sudden When he says that saying, God do you see What this preacher is doing <laughs> Instead of him Seeing the poverty Instead of him saying the, 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 the dire situation That she's facing Death by starvation He's teaching her to give And then maybe another angel after they they're so surprised at that strange situation that another angel might say, Well, you know, of course, uh it is true that now she'll have more treasure in heaven that she'll be able to enjoy forever. And one of the angels might think about it a minute well and say, Well, of course it's true that now her faith will grow stronger and she'll be able to face trials with peace. And another angel say, Yeah, you know what? It's true, also that that uh, now that she's glorifying God, and and there's nothing greater, no greater work in her life that she could do. Another one said, "Yes," and it's actually more blessed to give than to receive. And about that time, they all it kind of clicks, and they say, "Wow, you know, it's also true that not only has she re- now received and gained all of these blessings through giving God, now you'll have to provide for her because it's your promise." And then, you know, they would uh, just worship the Lord. Say, Lord, we thought it was so strange that he would teach a woman that is so poor to give, but now we see that it's not strange at all. It's very wise and very loving. That would help. That helps us to understand how God's ways are so different from our ways, and why God includes in teaching us and in commanding us and the work that He's given us in our lifetime to give. And also, now I want you to turn to Ephesians four twenty-eight. But I need five people uh, up here as as volunteers. Could I have quickly, very very quickly? We don't have time to lose. Maybe five men. Could have five men come running up here, young men, old men. I need five of five of you up here, and we're gonna make a measuring stick. Okay? Brother Jorge, would you stand right here? And brother Gary, Gary, right here. About right here. This is Brian. Brian, we have you right in the middle. You're in the middle of the measuring stick. Now you two are gonna spread out over here. Uh, And I'll forget your name in a second, so I'll just ask it again later on. Okay, we've got a measuring stick here. Now this is important to understand. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Paul, inspired of the Holy Spirit, is speaking of the, the change from the ways of man to the ways of God, putting off the old man and putting on the new man the extreme difference between the life in our natural human state and the new life that we have in Christ. And when you come to verse 28, it's, this is one of the illustrations, one of the uh, exhortations here. It says, "...let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good," that he may have to give to him that needeth. Now, do you see the, the uh, extreme change that comes about through Christ in our lives? We're, we have Brother Jorge down here. Now, now, this is just an illustration, so you go easy on Jorge, because Jorge represents the ones that steal, Okay. Uh, That is a nature of man, to want to take something that doesn't belong. You want to have something else that doesn't cost you anything. And that is part of the ways of man. That's why it's to say, let him that stole steal no more. Now, Brother Gary, Gary doesn't steal. He just wants to. You see, there's a... There's a lot of that in us that maybe because we're fearful of getting caught or embarrassed of what people say, but there is, still is that human nature in us that may not be fulfilled outwardly, but it does exist in, in our lives. And then we come to Brian, and Brian doesn't steal. You know what the problem here is? Many people get to thinking that this is the new life. Many people think that now Brian is living the way God wants him to live because he doesn't steal. Do you see that that's not true here? Do you see that that is not the ways of God at all? And that is one of the greatest hindrances to Christianity today, the concept that that uh, if we just behave ourselves, put off the old ways, then we 're acceptable Christians, then we 're good Christians, and we are very, very mistaken, so mistaken that we have the the teaching of uh, the Church of Laodicea that uh, that God said, I, "I would rather you were." cold or hot but not there in the middle not uh you know uh, with, with that idea that I'm just okay that's sickening to God and yet so many times that, that is the hindrance because Christians get the feeling as long as I'm not doing something wicked then I'm okay and that's not the ways of God at all now we come over here to Lino and Lino is a worker and Lino works hard, and works diligently, works responsibly. Lino uh, uh, supports himself and his family, and many would say that's a noble life, that's a response, that's a model life, that's a good Christian man. And yet, they would be very, very mistaken. That is not the ways of God. That's not what we see here. That's not where God wants us to be. We we get all the way over to brother. John. John, and John works, but see, Christ is living in John's life, and there is a, there is the heart. There is the heart that has been changed, the life has been changed, whereas John wants to work, wants to be diligent, but he wants to work not only for what he needs and his family needs, he wants to be able to give. And that is what God does in our hearts. Okay, you guys can sit down. Thank you very, very much. Go easy on them now. But do you see then that the where God wants us to, to get to and that the ways of God cannot be experienced and cannot be lived without the grace of giving. You cannot have a life that glorifies God, the God who was willing to give His own Son God who has a giving heart, God who has given us the inheritance still being joined to heirs with Christ, we cannot consider ourselves walking in the ways of God without a heart to give. And this is the important thing about giving in missions. It is not so much that we are good people that are willing to go. It's not so much that we are good people that are willing to sin. It's not so much the need that exists. It is the fact that that is the way of God. That is the heart of God. God wants us to bring us to that life of living, of, of, of giving. He gives us examples in the Bible, like Abraham. And we find in Abraham when he won the victory and, and liberated Lot from the kings and brought back all of the spoil, that the first thing he did was give his tithe. Now that's important because later on, God didn't ask him for his tithe. Something happened, something was in the heart of Abraham to where that God then at one period of time could ask him for his own son and say, now take your son and take him up and offer him in sacrifice for me. And Abraham had come to the point in his life and his faith and his trust in God of knowing that the promise of God was that he was going to, uh, to use his son to be a father of nations he would have to even raise his son from the dead Abraham did not hesitate, did not doubt nothing restrained him, he took his son and went to give him to God And this is what giving in missions is really all about the way we're going to accomplish taking the gospel to people is by having the heart that God wants us all to have. A heart that's willing to go, and a heart that's willing to give. And that is what is really what interests God. That is what glorifies God. That is God's way. Then we see in uh, passages like, well, Titus. In the book of Titus, at the end of the book when Apostle Paul is again inspired of the Holy Spirit making these last uh, exhortations to, to Titus, in verse 13 he says, "...brings in us the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them." Now do you see what he's telling them? When he says... "...bring at the lawyer and Apollos his evangelist, these men on their journey, bring them on their journey, that nothing be wanting what is the command." He's telling them in their church to give whatever is necessary for these men to be able to go and to fulfill their cause, their ministry, their purpose before God. Give, and in verse uh, 14 he says, and let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. And so we see that good works will always include what is the heart of God? Giving, supplying. Now the work of the ministry is important, of course. They will not hear unless someone... uh, it preaches, and they will not be able to preach unless someone is sent. So we have the purpose of reaching this world, but the way God does that is by building our hearts and teaching us to simply trust and honor to glorify Him by will. It be willing to say, "Lord, here am I, send me," and by willing to understand the need and be willing not to be unfruitful in good works, but to be fruitful and bring them on their way. Now, if you're here this morning, first of all, if there's anyone here this morning and you have not trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to understand that all of the ministry is for you. All of these commands. Jesus Christ left heaven and came and took the form of a servant, was made in likeness of man and died on the cross. He did all of these things for you because there is no other way that you could be saved from the condemnation of sin and be able to be with God eternally in heaven but by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ and if God brings that to your understanding today then you need to understand how much God paid for your salvation and God, uh, God calls to you today to repent, to come, to leave that path of vanity, the path that leads to condemnation, and to come to Christ and trust in Christ your Savior as your Savior today. And the reason why we're here, the reason we worship is to glorify God and then to find that He has taught us to go and to preach the gospel to all nations, to you. And I would hope that if there is someone here today Like this young man that came to a point where understood that he was a a sinner, understood the condemnation of of sin, but understood the, the gospel that Jesus came and died for him to pay for his sin, that through faith in Christ he would be saved, have eternal life. I was saved when I was six years old. I understand that. If there's anyone here this morning that has not trusted Christ as your Savior, I would even invite you today. We're going to have an invitation in a moment. I'd ask you, why don't you come to Christ today? He did everything that can be done. Now it's a decision that you will have to to respond to the call, that call of God to your heart, to repent and to come to Christ as your Savior. Those of you that would say, Brother Morris, I, I am saved. I am a child of God. I am born again. I remember the time when I understood my condition as a sinner and the only hope through faith in Christ and I trusted in Christ as my Savior. Then I would invite you today to understand to, what is the way that we are to walk in this world. We have a f- certain number of years in this lifetime upon this earth and then we have an in- uh, an eternity waiting for us and there's a job to be done. There's a world in darkness that must see light. And it requires us to have a heart like the heart of God. And when we have a heart like God, then we will be called of God and be willing to go. We will see those that God has called and be willing to give. And if they are not a, have not been a part of your church's missions program, then uh, it, it's not so much that we're going to use Good stories or good projects try to, to to motivate you like that. We would just call you to also join the, the the those who are faithful to God. Allow God to work in your life and be a part of giving. We can't glorify God in any other way. There was a pastor who's already with the Lord. He died many years ago. But he worked over in Pittsburgh, California. I don't remember exactly how I got in touch with him. He was uh, uh, had a little church, and this man wasn't on full-time. His name was Wayne Townsend. I don't know if anybody ever heard of Wayne. Wayne, uh, not many people had heard of Wayne. In his little church, Wayne uh, had to work full-time, and he was a teacher of special education. And so, uh, half the congregation were people from his class. Now, these people did not have control. They had handicaps, and they did not have control over the motor mechanisms of their bodies, and as they would sit in the congregation, their arms would would move, and their legs, and their heads, and they, they did not have control over that, and, you know... To many people to go to church with half the congregation like that, it would be very intimidating, very distracting. It'd be a lot of people that don't, wouldn't know if they wanted to go to church like that. But you know, as I was in that first time I saw Wayne, uh, speaking to his people there before I came up to preach one young lady went into convulsions practically and, her, and, and uh, the, the sounds coming out of her mouth and, and, uh, and, and the, the, you know, the extreme motion of her body and Wayne simply stopped everything he was doing walked down to the seat there put his arms around her began to pray and in about a minute she calmed down Wayne just walked back up to the pulpit like nothing ever happened and kept talking to his people And I was so impressed with the love of that man for, for people that others might shy away from. But not only that, uh, Wayne, they were able, the, the next furlough, this is over a period of years, they were able to get a little building, a little storefront building. And they were making payments on this little building. Wayne had found a man, literally in the gutter, drunk, and witness to him, but as he tried to win him, he found out that this man had been a Southern Baptist preacher who had left the church, had left God's ways, had had just fallen into the pits. But Wayne had compassion on him. Wayne encouraged him. And Wayne lifted him up and got him back and, and gave him a place in their church. And the way the natural man is Uh, this man basically paid Wayne's compassion and help back by later on, after he got his life back in order, by thinking that he was a better preacher than Wayne and that he knew how to run churches better than Wayne. And he ended up splitting their church. And when they split their church, they didn't have enough money to make the payments and they lost their building. And our hearts were broken over this. The next time I came back on furlough, I called him to make an appointment to to preach, to report to the church. And he said, Dan, we're meeting in a little round building, a round building in a park. And so Debbie and I got there early. And we were looking around for this round building in a park. We didn't see a round building in the park. We checked the address, checked everything. Yeah, we're in the right spot. But we couldn't see a round building in the park. There was this little round structure that we didn't pay any attention to because it looked like the size of the bathrooms in a park. And so we didn't even look at that. We were looking for a round building. There wasn't one. And finally I looked at that. That was the only round in the park. And I thought, no, it just can't be. But I went over there and looked through a little crack in the door a hole in the door, something like that. Sure enough, there were about 30 chairs in that little bitty round structure. And Debbie and I, before people came, we thought, you know, let's, let's give an offering to them. They, they, they give to us, but this, they've gone through so much. Let's, let's give them something. God's been good to us. Let's, let's just give them an offering. And we really had that in our hearts. But I preached. Wayne gave me the opportunity to show a video presentation to preach. And then afterwards he got up and he said, Brother Morris, we've been saving again for a, to buy property or to buy a building. And we have $1,400 in our bank account toward that. But we read one of your letters how a church down there in Chiapas needs a building. And Brother Morris, we'd be so much more happy to, for that church to have a building. And they said, so would you take that $1,400 to them? And then he told his people, he said, you know, $1,400 just doesn't seem real, you know, rounded out. Why don't we make that $1,500? And, and again, many of these people were handicapped people in his church. And they took up an offering and made it up to 1500 I don't know if I've had such a humbling experience of a heart so dedicated to God, so loving of others, and so willing to give. Great impression. One time I got a questionnaire from a church. And we get questionnaires from time to time asking about our type of ministry and fruit in our ministry. Well, on this questionnaire there was a question that was a little bit of a uh, double purpose question I could tell because it was asking me who was one of my modern day heroes and I knew very good and well they're getting out there trying to feel me out and see who you know what direction my ministry I have and I understood that but I they, they might have been a little surprised when they got that questionnaire back and I said who is one of your modern day heroes they read the name of Wayne Townsend And I hope today, this morning, that our hearts would also look to the Lord. I I don't trust my heart at all in Mexico to love the people of Mexico, but I sure trust the heart of Jesus Christ to love the people of Mexico. And that's what keeps us going. I can't really trust my own heart to be wanting to give and to sacrifice and to do whatever is needful to reach the people, but I can sure trust Him who was willing to even give His own life. And I'd like to ask you to bow your heads this morning and worship the Lord and think and understand it may seem strange, this grace of giving. It may seem strange, the ways of God, and it ought to seem strange because His ways are not our ways, but His ways are the best ways. His ways are better. And if there is anyone here this morning who has not trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then I would invite you in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to turn it back over to the pastor. But I would invite you to step out of your seat and to come before the Lord in your heart. Let someone be with you and, and pray and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior today. And others of you... We are looking at that scale, and say, where am I on the scale as far as walking in the ways of God? And if you need that grace that is abundant, and you need that strength of the Holy Spirit, then I would invite you to to come and to kneel before the Lord, seek that, ask for that, and dedicate yourself to that, and experience the wonderful ways of God. Our heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to be together again. And we pray, Lord, now that you would bless this time of imitation and the baptism later, and that your spirit would be upon us all, that we would be followers of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his life would shine through us to others, and we would have that joy of walking in your ways and finding out that it really is more blessed to give than to receive. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. dot